0: Good morning. Good morning. Uh, today's scripture reading is the entire chapter of Exodus 24. Then the Lord said to Moses, come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. You are to worship at a distance, but Moses alone is to approach the Lord. The others must not come near, and the people may not come up with him. When Moses went and told the people all the Lord's words and laws, they responded with one voice. Everything the Lord has said, we will do. Moses then wrote down everything the Lord had said. He got up early the next morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and set up 12 stone pillars representing the 12 tribes of Israel. Then he sent young Israelite men, and they offered burnt offerings and sacrificed young bulls as fellowship offerings to the Lord. Moses took half of the blood and put it in bowls, and the other half he splashed against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it to the people. They responded, we will do everything the Lord has said, we will obey. Moses then took the blood, sprinkled it on the people, and said, This is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel went up and saw the God of Israel. Under his feet was something like a pavement made of lapis lazuli, and as bright blue as the sky, But God did not raise his hand against these leaders of the Israelites. They saw God and they ate and drank. The Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and stay here and I will give you the tablets of stone with the law and commandments I have written for their instruction. Then Moses set out with Joshua his aid and Moses went up on the mountain of God. He said to the elders, wait here for us until we come back to you. Aaron and her are with you and anyone involved in a d- dispute can go to them. When Moses went up on the mountain the cloud covered it and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. For 6 days the cloud covered the mountain and on the 7th day the Lord called to Moses from within the cloud. To the Israelites the glory of God the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. Then Moses entered the cloud as he went up on the mountain, and he stayed on the mountain forty days and forty nights. Amen. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. Thank you, Carrie. So we are continuing our journey through the whole book of Exodus. If you're wondering why this chapter was just read, it's because this is where we're at in the story. Uh, Let's just pause and pray. Lord... We come to your holy word uh, Needing to be fed uh, By the truth I pray that the words I speak From this pulpit would be helpful And illuminating uh, And that Holy Spirit You would take Take the words in In this inspired word And take my words about them And um, uh, Get into all of our lives And hearts and minds And teach us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, do open a Bible if you have one, or the Pew Bible, to Exodus 24. Can someone uh, tell me the page that's on? 64. Okay. I want to start with a question, Uh, not just a question to think about, but something you can shout out loud if you have the answer to. Um, Have you ever met someone famous? I figure in a crowd this size at least someone has shaken hands with a governor or seen s- yeah Dave Charles Bronson. Charles Bronson Anyone else Come on I, I know you guys have have met people Erica Strata Erica Strada okay I don't even know who that is <laughs> <laughs> okay wow so a tv celebrity anyone else herbie hancock all right nice famous jazz musician right stevie wonder okay now we're getting okay Carolyn Brandigan, local, <laughs> renowned Vermont politician, yes. John McClare? Okay, Carolyn. Joe DiMaggio, wow. Wow. President Carter? Wow. How about you, Carolyn? Richard Nixon? You were a baby, so... He took your hand in his hand. Huh. Well, let me let me raise the bar a little bit and have has anyone of you ever shared a meal with one of these people? Fewer. Did you eat with Herbie Hancock, Pete? Wow, okay. Okay. Privilege. So there's something about being in proximity to celebrities or powerful people that is a little bit um, electrifying, right? Um, I recently listened to the new memoir by Bono, who is the lead singer for the band U2, and I I learned that between his music career and his activism and anti-poverty work, he has gained access to a lot of the most elite circles in this world. Um, He would sit around the kitchen table with people like Johnny Cash and June Carter Cash or Steve Jobs and his family or Barack and Michelle Obama and their girls. Um, He was close personal friends with people like Sir Paul McCartney and Bill Gates. Um, One Sunday morning, at his home in Ireland, there was a knock on the door, and when his wife opened it, there was Mikhail Gorbachev, who was currently, at that time, the leader of the USSR, and Bono had forgotten to tell his wife that he was stopping by for tea. (laughs) (laughs) And as he tells these stories, even though he himself is a massive superstar, he he tells these stories as if it's a bit surreal that he's gotten to meet and befriend all these people. But in our passage today, Moses and 73 other Israelite men have a story to top them all. They get to come up the mountain and have a meal with God. That's what it says in uh, verses 9 through 11. The the event was so amazing and overwhelming to them that it was almost indescribable. That's the sense you get as you read this. And looking back on that occasion, they were almost, uh, they wondered how they survived. So let me read verses 9 through 11. Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel went up and saw the God of Israel. Under his feet was something like a pavement made of lapis lazuli, as bright blue as the sky. But God did not raise his hand against these leaders of the Israelites. They saw God and they ate and drank. They saw God and they ate and drank. When you eat and drink with someone, now and then, it's a sign of friendship, of closeness, of of love, when you share a table with someone. Now, I don't think they were at an actual table with God, uh, twi- but twice we're told here that they saw God. Now, later in the book of Exodus, God tells Moses, No one can see my face and live. That's how overwhelmingly holy he is. But whatever these elders saw, it was astounding to them. They saw his, his, at least his feet on this brilliant blue, like sapphire blue, translucent pavement. Um, They were, God invited them to get as close as they could to him. And they ate and drank. Um, Later, Moses by himself gets to venture even closer As the elders go back down the mountain, Moses goes up to the top where the cloud of the glory of God envelops him, where from down below it looks like white-hot flames burning up the top of the mountain. And Moses gets to walk right into that cloud to the presence of God where God will speak to him and give him the tablets of the Ten Commandments. Now you may think, I've never had an experience like that, of course. None of us have ever done anything like that. But what I want to tell you this morning is that although we have never seen God with our eyes in the way that these guys did, we have access to God's presence and God's glory in a way that would make Moses jealous. And I want to tell you why. We're going to do that by looking uh, looking at two things about this meal with God. First, the invitation, and then the guest list. The invitation and the guest list. So how were these 74 men able to be in God's presence? Only because of God's invitation. Um, The invitation is the covenant that God made with the people of Israel a pledge that he made to them to bless them, to take care of them, and through them to be a blessing to the whole earth. That's that's the covenant. This story would not be happening if God did not take the initiative to reach out to these people and invite them into a covenant with him. It was God's idea to save them from Egypt and to send the plagues and to part the sea And to give them the law and to do all these things. And now he is, uh, in in order for this covenant to be signed and sealed, the people need to do two things. Actually, they need to do one thing and one thing needs to be done to them. See if you can figure out what that is as we read verses 3 through 8. When Moses went and told the people all the Lord's words and laws, they responded with one voice, Everything the Lord has said, we will do. Moses then wrote down everything the Lord had said. That's the law, the last three chapters of the book. He got up early the next morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and set up twelve stone pillars representing the twelve tribes of Israel. Then he sent young Israelite men, and they offered burnt offerings and sacrificed young bulls as fellowship offerings to the Lord. Moses took half of the blood and put it in bowls, and the other half he splashed against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it to the people. They responded, We will do everything the Lord has said. We will obey. Moses then took the blood, sprinkled it on the people, and said, This is the blood of the covenant the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. So what needed to happen? First of all, the people had to pledge their obedience to God. They had to say, We understand what you're asking of us, and we will do it. We will obey you. Second, the people's sin needed to be dealt with. There needed to be atonement, which means covering or cleansing. And so Moses builds this altar where bulls, bulls are sacrificed. The blood is drained out of them and Moses saves the blood and puts half on the altar representing God's uh, side of the covenant and then he takes the rest and sprinkles it out onto the people, maybe just on those 70 elders as representatives. Can you imagine what it felt like to have this blood raining down on you? Like getting your clothes wet. And That represents the way the people's sins need to be covered by this sacrifice so they can approach God. Uh, That that is something which will be developed in far more detail in the book of Leviticus in the Bible. But everything about this signified that these people um, that for them to know God and be near Him, it was a weighty thing. It was an immense honor and privilege. And it came at God's invitation. It did not, they did not come on their own terms. They came to God's table, as it were, by his invitation. Let's move on now to the guest list. Who was on it? Well, Moses and Aaron, that's his brother, and Nadab and Abihu, Abihu, those are Aaron's two oldest sons, who would be priests, and then 70 elders or representatives of Israel. Seventy-four people, and perhaps Joshua. Now, as amazing as it was for those seventy-four people on the guest list, there were thousands, hundreds of thousands of Israelites who couldn't go up the mountain and do that and see God. It's clear in this chapter how, you know, the mountain itself is sort of a representation of who... The closer you get to God, the fewer people have access to him. Right? So down at the foot of the mountain are, are all of the people of Israel. They just can look up and see. And then partway up the mountain, the elders and Aaron and Moses and, his, and, and their sons, Aaron's sons get to come and have this meal and see God. But then all the way up the mountain, only one person, Moses, gets to enter the cloud of God's glory. The closer you get, the fewer people have access. Kind of like with a with a celebrity or a famous person in this world, right? They, um, they have the fans, then they have their confidants, and then they have those one or two people who are with them a lot. The reason for this is God's holiness. Just remember the 70 elders were surprised that they survived this encounter with God, this meal in his presence. God is so gloriously, overwhelmingly holy that we just can't handle it. But God allowed for certain people to come as close as they could. So God made this invitation the whole people of Israel was invited into the covenant, but, but only a few could come up to this meal on the mountain. But I'm here to tell you today, if you can hear my voice, that you are also on the guest list. You have been invited into God's presence. You've been invited to sit at his table we're here today to celebrate the Lord's Supper, the table of the Lord. You are His guests today. Some people, <clears throat> some people, and maybe some here think, "Oh, God doesn't really care about me or notice me, or I- I'm not important enough to be close to God, to be on that guest list." And you're wrong. <laughs> God's word goes out to all and says, you are invited to come and know me and have access to me. Some of us, on the other hand, have the opposite problem. Uh, we act as if we are inviting God to come and, and uh, grace us with his presence. <laughs> right? Like we're doing him a favor by coming to church or praying or serving Him, and He's going to fit into our schedule and fit according to our terms. And that's just not how it works either. We can only come to God on His terms through the forgiveness that He provides into His covenant. So how do we do that? How do we do that? It all hinges on Jesus. Now, knowing all we just heard about, about Exodus 24 and Mount Sinai and God's presence, listen to these words written by someone who, who knew Jesus, who touched him, who ate and drank with him, who spoke to him, who was a close friend of Jesus when he was here on this earth. His name is John. The Gospel of John says this. Essentially, in in chapter 1 of John, it says, The unapproachably glorious God, the, the, the feet of whom the elders of Israel could barely stand to look at, showed us his face. The face of Jesus Christ. The glorious cloud of God's holy presence came down from the mountain in a person. In a human being named Jesus. Now here's what John wrote in the first chapter of his gospel. We have seen his glory. He's talking about Jesus. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. This unapproachable, holy God has made himself known in the person of Jesus Christ. And this person, Jesus, if you were around if you were near him on earth if you touched him you were touching god if you saw his face you were seeing god's face and god in the person of jesus sat around tables with people and ate and drank with them that was one of jesus's favorite ways to do ministry to talk to people, to show them his love, to teach them, was to sit around a dinner table and have a meal. That was, and that was a sign of saying, you're invited to be close to me, to be close to God. And of course, it was at a table the night before he died that he made the new covenant with us, with all who believe, Moses had sprinkled the people with the blood of bulls and said, Remember what Moses said? This is the blood of the covenant according to God's word. Now, Jesus took those very same words, but he changed them with a very small word of his own This is my blood of the covenant not just the blood of bulls. This is my blood. It's like this holy, unapproachable God came in Jesus Christ, opened his veins for us to make us forgiven, to cleanse us, to atone for our sin. You can't make this stuff up. This is the, the mind-blowing truth of the gospel. And the covenant that Jesus made is far superior to the old one, to the covenant of Moses. Uh, The guest list is not just Moses or the elders or even the whole people of Israel. It is anyone in in God's green earth who hears the message and who responds to his invitation. Everyone is invited. It's anyone who will trust the blood of Jesus to cover their sin and follow him as Lord. That's it. And we're not done. <laughs> and there's more. The, the new covenant comes with a source of ongoing closeness to God's presence. Do you know what that is? The Holy Spirit. Because not only did Jesus pay for our sin and invite us to his table, But after he ascended to heaven, he sent his spirit into all who believe. His very presence lives in each one of us who believes. Each one of us is a portable Mount Sinai or tabernacle, a place where God's presence dwells. Every single ordinary person who believes in Jesus. We don't have to walk up a mountain to meet with God. He is in our midst by the Holy Spirit. Every time we gather around this table, we remember Jesus is really here. It's his table. He is present with us. But it's not just this table where Jesus is present. Anywhere you go, any table you sit at, Jesus is there. I am convinced well, let me, let me say this first. You know what it says in the book of Acts, how the first Christians after Pentecost, uh, what did they do? They ate meals together. Acts 2.46 tells us that these new believers, quote, broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Friends, I am convinced, and if there's one kind of takeaway from this sermon that you can do this week, here it is. I am convinced that our tables are sacred spaces. What happens at your kitchen table or your dining room table or wherever you gather to eat is so significant. Um So how can you use your table this week? Who can you invite to your table this week? Maybe it's another brother or sister in Christ. Maybe someone who's lonely. Someone who doesn't get out much. Um, Maybe it's a friend or a neighbor who doesn't know Jesus. And your table is a place where they can maybe begin to be near God's presence, to get to know Jesus through you. I, I think some of us are operating with a, with an, under the illusion that if we just, you know, found the secret formula, people would start flooding back into church. All of these friends and neighbors who don't believe in Jesus or go to church, if we can just figure out how to get them here, um, then they can hear the gospel. That's not true. <laughs> most of your friends and neighbors who don't believe in Jesus will not come to church. I I just that's the way it is. But how many of them would come over for pizza to your house? How many would come for dessert or a cup of coffee? How many would just come and like to sit and talk with you at your kitchen table? I bet most of them would. And that is where the mission of God can happen. Last Christmas, you know, we we tried to have a pretty open door policy at our church and at our house. Excuse me, uh, Meg and I. We tried to invite people as much as we can to share meals, and it's kind of crazy with four children. Um, But hey, they're part of it too. So this past Christmas. Uh, we decided we would just um, have a kind of a big, wild dinner party for Christmas. And uh, so we had um, Alexis came over, and we had the new pastor from the Georgia Methodist Church, sure, why not come over, and we had my sister and her husband stop by, and we had um, my parents and Meg's parents, and it was kind of just a strange and wonderful mixture of people from different parts of life. And it was um, beautiful and wonderful and exhausting and um, celebratory. And I'm convinced that the Lord was present at that occasion and that people walked away feeling closer to him. How can you use your table this week? You know, I see people here today from who have been attending the 55-plus lunch and they're becoming friends because of the table, because Sarah has been serving them at the table. How can you use your table this week to meet with God, to meet with others, to help people know him? The very end of the story of the Bible is a table, a feast, where God himself, where Jesus, is presiding as host. Host. And we will sit together at a great banquet of God's people. But we don't have to wait for that day to actually eat with God because God, through Jesus and his Holy Spirit, um, is with those who believe in him. Listen to Jesus' words in Revelation 3.20. Jesus says, Here I am I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Why do you think he said, I will eat with that person? Because it's a sign of friendship, of closeness, of love. The person you invite to your table is the person you want to be, want to get to know. And Jesus is making his glorious presence available to anyone who will open the door to him and invite him in to eat. So if you hear him knocking today, open the door. And open the door to others who don't know him yet. Because maybe through your table, Jesus is knocking on the door of their hearts. Amen. Well, we get to have a time of prayer now, so um, let's come to the Lord who loves us, who cares for us, who has provided a way for us to have our sins forgiven and to come near to Him. Uh, There should be a, a prayer of confession, which... Uh, should be on the screen, just so that we can begin by um, uh, coming clean with the Lord. He He knows He knows the true nature of our hearts, but it can be so helpful to actually agree with Him, agree with what He knows that we are we're sinful people who need forgiveness. So I'd invite you to pray these words with me and then I'll continue in our time of prayer. We confess, our Father, that we do not live up to the family name. We are more ready to resent than to forgive, more ready to manipulate than to serve, more ready to fear than to love, more ready to keep our distance than to welcome, more ready to compete than to help At the root of this behavior is mistrust. We do not love one another as we should because we do not believe that you love us as you do. Forgive us our cold unbelief and make more vivid to us the meaning and depth of your love on the cross. Show us what it cost you to give up your son that we might become your sons and daughters. We ask this in the name of Jesus, our righteousness. Amen. Lord, we come to you in and through Jesus.